This the remix. Hamilton front court. Hamilton spins in the lane, puts it up with the left hand. What a move by Bryce to get around Benson. 37-23. Completely lost the shooting touch. A three on the other side is no good. Tamayich has the rebound knocked away, and Webster has it. Webster front court. Webster down the right side. Webster lays it up and in. Nice move by Justin Webster. Yeah. 72 to 47. Vic to McCabe. A three from the left side is good. Jordan got knocked down. That's a two, not a three. Or uh, Justin Webster did, pardon me. Aztecs with what will likely be their final possession as uh, Alger able to get a layup. And now the shot clock is off. The Rebels with uh, the final possession of the ball game. Gilbert to Nuga on the left side. Nuga into the lane, lost the dribble. Uh, Dinwiddie the other way for a missed dunk and a putback. But uh, the Aztec bench wanted to go nuts. They did. That's the way the game will end. 80 to 55. 80. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. I feel bad for John Sandler. And I think what? Chris Chapman was the one running the game last night who was supposed to pull highlights from the UNLV games we broadcast so that we can, you know, play them back on our shows. Uh, I enjoy that one of the highlights was uh, Jordan McCabe for three. Uh, that's a two. <laughs> there weren't many. And that was that was one of the better highlights. <laughs> there was like seven solid minutes of UNLV being in that game. There was a couple Bryce Hamilton threes. One time he got fouled, although I don't know if he got fouled because they did the replay. And the guy looks up and goes, what? what, what? It was, listen... Empty stats in the fact that the game was out of was out of hand and decided. But Bryce Hamilton did have it actually a pretty yes, good game. Yes, he did. Yesterday. He did. Like he scored, yeah. he scored what twenty three or something like that, and I think he was like eight of seventeen, which yeah, against San Diego State, it, w- it was a good game for Bryce Hamilton. The problem is literally nobody else did anything. Played well. Donovan Williams comes back from an injury and was one <laughs> of seven from the yeah. floor, and I think his first two shots were layups, and he missed, missed them both. Them. Like. Listen, San Diego State does a great job contesting things. They're one of the better teams in the country in terms of opponents' field goal percentage on layups, but it's still like 55% that right. their opponents right. shoot on layups. UNLV at one point was at one point two one of, of eight. Seven. Yeah, two one of, of seven, two of eight in the first half. Like they got to the rim a few times. Couldn't finish. Not making them. Like Donovan Williams' first two, he probably should have made and didn't make them. So big picture here. UNLV San Diego State. Last nine seasons. San Diego State is 19 and 2 against UNLV. San Diego State has gone to four NCAA tournaments. UNLV has been to zero. Plus, San Diego State had a 30 win team that in the year the NCAA tournament got canceled because of COVID. So they would have had five NCAA tournaments in the last eight seasons, and they're most likely going again this year, which would give them six NCAA tournament worthy teams in nine years, while UNLV has had zero. Why is San Diego State? So much better than UNLV. I mean, is the easy answer defense? They coach it better. They have players who play it better. They demand their players play it. If they don't play it, they're on the bench. Uh, But they recruit to it. Utah State and Nevada have had short, but they've had runs where they've been better than San Diego State in this last nine years. And they've done it with offense. I mean, they've obviously been good defensively, but like Utah State and San Diego State have had great offensive players that have been able to contend. UNLV hasn't done that. Like the San Diego State's obviously they're the top of this conference, but other teams have had good three and yes. four year stretches. Yeah, Musselman at Reno. UNLV Frank hasn't had done some. that either. Like right. UNLV, A, they're not San Diego State, but B, they're also not the teams that have given a nice three year run 
to San Diego State right. or anybody else in this conference. Colorado State might be in the midst of they that. They might be in one of the yeah, they right. might be in this the run of that. Might be year one of like three straight years of Colorado State being a really good team in the Mountain West. Here's what I think it comes down to. I think it's simply about the coaches. I think if you're UNLV and any, honestly, any team in the Mountain West, you have to hit a home run on a coaching hire. You've got to bring in a guy that's awesome. You've got to bring in Eric Musselman. Nevada hit a home run right. when they hired right. Eric Musselman. Utah State hit a home run when they hired Craig, Craig Smith. Smith. Like They brought in really good coaches that were able to immediately make those programs good. There was no building process. There were, like We've heard that from Marvin Menzies. We heard that from TJ Otzelberger. Kevin Kruger hasn't actually said that. He hasn't said that. Others have. Right. Kruger, I don't think he's actually said anything about rebuilding. So credit to him for not trying to take that path right. of, ah, we're trying to build it up. We'll see how bad the season gets and if he does start saying that. But credit to him for not saying that. But you've got to hire a coach that's really good. And the reality in the Mountain West is when you hire that coach that's really good, most likely you only get them for four years, right? right. They're leaving shortly after that. But that, to me, is the key. You've got to hire a coach that's awesome and will give you three to four years. And then to sustain it, you've got to follow it up with another good hire that can mm-hmm. keep doing it or be very lucky and hire your Steve Fisher who will stay there for right. 20 years or right. however long he ended up there at San Diego State. Maybe Kevin Kruger is that guy, right? We've seen half a season, Kevin Kruger. So it's not like we're writing Kevin Kruger off. He might end up being that coach. UNLV might end the season well, or they might be awesome next year. He might bring in a great recruiting slash transfer class, and next year they're just phenomenal and they're near the top of the mountain West and Kevin Kruger's here for a long time. And you know, he's good, but that to me has been the key for any of these mountain West schools. You've got to get a great coach. It's not to me. It's not about, Oh, your facilities or the support you get from the fan base or the support you get from the administration. It is, you've got to hire a great coach. Nevada doesn't spend any money on coaches. Nevada doesn't have a terrific basketball fan base before Musselman got there. Right. But they hit a home run on that hire. And all of a sudden, they had money to spend on Steve Alford. All of a sudden, they had great crowds before the pandemic at their basketball games. Utah State's not throwing around $1.8 million for a coach. They hit a home run on the Craig Smith hire. They did, and they were great for a couple of years. So that, to me, is the key. You have got to bring in a coach that is phenomenal and a coach that can immediately get really good players. Because who did Musselman immediately got the Martin Twins? Yeah. Right? Uh, Craig Smith, he uh, inherited um, Nimishkeda. Oh no, he got oh, he got Nimishkeda from Portugal. He inherited the guard who I can't believe Sam Merrill. I can't believe I couldn't yes. remember Sam Merrill's name. He inherited Sam Merrill, but he got Nimishkeda, and Kada was a massive reason why Utah State was great for three years. Like you've got to get a coach that can come in and immediately get a guy that is a top two or three player in the conference. Even Brian Dutcher, he kind of did it with Malachi Flynn, right? Yeah. Like, it took him a year, They won 30. But he got Malachi Flynn, and Malachi Flynn was the best player in the conference that year. And San Diego State, they didn't go to the NCAA tournament because it didn't exist, but they, they would have been a one or a two seed that year. To me, it's about the coaching. You have got to hit a home run on a coaching hire to have a chance to ascend to the top of the well, Midwest. Well, how much in your mind is what Dutcher said yesterday? So Steve Fisher goes forever, and Dutcher's kind of his associate coach, and Dutcher just takes right over, and everything, like you said, is completely seamless at that program. Ten coaches, I yes, ten coaches in that time when Steve Fisher and Brian Dutcher have led San Diego State, ten coaches for UNLV. Ten. But how many down years has San Diego State had since then? Like, Steve Fisher since, started off rough, but once... 
their first couple years were rough, and after that, you know, he got the Tony Blands, he got the Mike McCalls, he got the uh, um, the other, I forget the name, the big kid from Michigan as well, and then they kind of took right. off. Once, like, it's easy to say, hey, you've got to keep the coaches and you've got to have some continuity, but, like, Marvin Menzies wasn't getting it done. Like, look, look at the coaches that UNLV has fired recently. Dave Rice doesn't have a job right now, right? He was an assistant coach, but Dave Rice doesn't have a job right now. Marvin Menzies doesn't have a job right now. It's not like they fired great coaches. They got rid of guys that weren't winning and that no other program has said, we want that guy to lead our team since then, right? Otzelberger and Chris Beard obviously left for better jobs, which UNLV just, we've talked about this a ton. They kind of got screwed. Those might have been, like, Chris Beard was probably the home run hire. Yes. Like, UNLV actually probably made the home run hire in Chris Beard. It's just unfortunate the Texas Tech came open right right after that. So, UNLV probably did make the hire, but I don't think it's, UNLV hasn't had massive turnover because they've gotten rid of good coaches. UNLV's had massive turnover because, A, they've gotten rid of coaches who nobody else has hired since they've been fired, and B, Guys have left for better jobs before they accomplished anything here, which is just bad luck, right? Like right. Nevada and Utah State made good hires. They got good runs. They, they stayed got, around for a while. They got NCAA tournaments out of it, and then they left. Right. Chris Beard left without coaching a game. Otzelberger might end up being the home run hire that they just missed out on and just two bad years, or, well, the first year wasn't bad, but two years that aren't anything special, and then he's gone because Iowa State's open. Like, UNLV just got unlucky in those scenarios, but – the continuity thing, I get it, but it's like they got really unlucky with Osselberger because that's the only school in the country that was coming after him. Yeah, nobody else was hiring. Osselberger it was the place he was at, too. and the AD loved him, yeah. and that was the only place. So, like the idea of UNLV and continuity, it sounds nice, but like if UNLV and Kevin Kruger finish seventh in the Mountain West three straight years, we really arguing you got to keep him around because he might turn it around in year four, like. No, nobody's going to be arguing for that. If they suck for three years, they suck. Like, you can't afford to just keep bringing that guy back when you can't win anything. So, yeah, if if Kevin Kruger year two goes the NCAA tournament, year three they take a step back, and then, yeah, you don't fire him then. But, like, if the, if the team sucks for three straight years, you don't, you don't stick around because, well, we got to stay continuously bad for three years because they might turn it around in year seven. Like, that's not really – the Steve Fisher era at San Diego State is very rare. The idea right, that you could right. be bad for three years or however long it was, and then all of a sudden you're going to take off and be a, a juggernaut in the conference, right. that's that's not realistic, right? Like, that's not going to happen very often. You're If you're bad for three years, you're, usually you're probably bad. Yeah. Like, it's probably not coming, turning around there. So, yes, the continuity would be nice, but you got to actually have the wins there to be to have the continuity. Because even compared to the other, don't compare it to San Diego State, compare it to the other Mountain West teams. Nevada and Utah State, they don't have continuity. Why? Because their coaches were good and they left. Because right. for the most part, your coach is good and he they stayed. leave. Well, they leave for better jobs. Right. Like, Kevin Kruger would be an interesting one. I would love to see Kevin Kruger go to, like, back-to-back NCAA tournaments. And then go to Power 5. Would he stay at UNLV? He said it. He's talked when he got the job. And when Desiree Francois, who, granted, is not here anymore, when she hired him. I want to be here for, for uh, the rest of my She said part career. of the reason they hired yeah. him was because he's a rebel and it's going to be here yeah. for a while. I'd be fascinated to see if UNLV goes to back-to-back we'll NCAA tournaments, A, how much money does UNLV throw at Kevin Kruger? Because, listen, if anybody takes this team to back-to-back NCAA tournaments, you got to offer them the biggest contract in school history. But would he leave? Like, would he take a middling Power 5 job 
simply his, because it's a power five job, and that's what that's what these coaches usually do. His dad, his dad left, and it was a lot more money. Right, it was. So I'd be curious to see. I'd love to see Kruger have a lot of success to and then see tournament what he would do and see what happened. Because a, you have the like, how much would UNLV offer, right? Because if well, they couldn't compete. Which I mean, I think Lon. Well, I mean, take Oklahoma. And if UNLV goes to back-to-back NCAA tournaments, aren't they getting an influx of revenue from people actually showing up to watch these games? Like, I do oh, think... Oh, yeah, yeah. More people would be at the Thomas and Matt. I do I think if, if UNLV went to back-to-back tournaments under Kevin Kruger, I do think UNLV is a program that could say, we're going to offer $2.5 million. And that's, you know, middle-of-the-road, bottom Power 5 conference, right. which is generally the jobs that you're taking if you're leaving UNLV, Utah State, Colorado State, whatever. You're generally getting, like, Iowa State won two games the year right. before. That's what I'd be... Would UNLV find a way to pay Kevin Kruger? Because can you imagine... Like back-to-back NCAA tournaments, and then UNLV is like, eh, we can't pay Kevin Kruger, just like they did with Lon Kruger. Yeah. <laughs> like they lose both Krugers because, eh, we can't pay the guy. I'm with you, though. I do think people locally and boosters locally like him enough to have he turned it, and they, I mean, it's funny. I, I remember when everyone wanted Jay Wright to come here, and I think that was like around the number. I think it was like around 2-5. It's like, oh, we can't do that for Jay Wright. And it's, it was, I think it was before he won the national titles because obviously you weren't getting him then. Uh, you know, the whole the whole uh, Vegas ties. But it would be a different time if he went to back-to-back this time. And, you know, I do think the people love him enough here. I know a lot of people who are boosters who like him a lot to where they'd find 2.5. I don't remember how real it was, but the whole Mick Cronin thing was they're, they were going to pay him over $2 right. million because – under Armour was going to replace Nike as the right. as the brand and pay him, and they were going to get and they were going to get some of the money yeah. from that. Which I don't know how real that was because Nike still had like two years left, I think, on the deal with UNLV. Yeah. So I didn't know how real that was, but that was, hey, how can they get Mick Cronin? Well, Under Armour is going to pay him a million extra. If bucks. kids go to the last five games, they're going to get an Under Armour shirt and <laughs> Nike shoes. That's what they're going to do. They're going to get a free Under Armour shirt and they're going to get free elite Nike shoes. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Breeze, where we rank the AFC quarterbacks. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, I'm not going to cave in. End of story, dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, 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 dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. Bischoff's Briefs. I guess you've got a point there. There's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the AFC. Here's my official rankings of the best quarterbacks in the AFC. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Then there's a big gap. Well, maybe not big, but then there's a gap. Number two is Josh Allen. Three is Lamar Jackson. Four, Justin Herbert. And five, Joe Burrow. I think all four of those quarterbacks are in tier two behind Patrick Mahomes, who is in tier one. By himself. Then you get to tier three. You could put these guys in any order you want. You can put tier two in any order you want, too. I wouldn't argue too much. I think tier three, there's three names. Ryan Tannehill is six. Derek Carr is seven. And Mac Jones is eight. I might be too high on Mac Jones. Yeah. But he's in that tier for me where you can game manage your way to some wins if you got a good team around him. Tannehill, Carr, Jones. Then after that's the bottom tier. We got Carson Wentz. We got Trevor Lawrence, who a lot of people hope that guy's out of the bottom tier in the future. We got Tua. And then we got Baker Mayfield, Davis Mills, 
and Zach Wilson. I've left Pittsburgh and Denver out of this because I don't know who their quarterbacks are going to be. I would go ahead and throw Mason Rudolph down in the bottom <laughs> tier. Uh, let's put Mason Rudolph at the center of the earth. Dead last. Yep. He's behind Zach Wilson uh, and Teddy Bridgewater. He's like what? A little worse than Tua. Now, see, I'd probably put him like at the top of the crappy. Like he can win you some games if everything goes perfect. He's not going to throw more than five yards. Yeah, I'm putting him below Tua. So <laughs> those are your AFC quarterback rankings. Tua. Yeah, he's below Tua. We can keep him ahead of Baker Mayfield. Those are your AFC quarterback rankings. Derek Carr, I put him seventh, but he could be sixth. Or Ryan Tannehill, same I guy. Thought he could, I thought he should go ahead of Tannehill. Yeah, whatever, same guy to me. Hmm. Um, the main difference is the Titans are usually have had a good roster the last couple of years, and the Raiders roster has been crap. So one has good wins. The other one has a lot of losses. But the point there is not so much whether or not Carr is six or seven. The point there is that one, two, three, four, and five are all significantly better than Carr and younger than Derek Carr. And if you're the Raiders right now, well, sure, you went to the playoffs. Derek Carr is a solid quarterback. What exactly should your plan be in the AFC? Should you be trying to win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr in this roster when to do so, you're going to have to beat out not only Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in your division, but you're also going to have to beat some combination of Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. Well, don't you have a choice here? You're either going to look if you're telling me you get Aaron Rodgers, that's one thing. But I just don't yes. think I just don't think that happens. Yes. I, I if, don't think those happen. If Aaron Rodgers were to join the Raiders, Raiders or the Broncos or the Steelers or whatever, then I'd put him number two. He'd be right. behind Mahomes in Tier yeah. One okay. to me. So. If you don't extend him, which, you know, he's got one year left on his deal, and you're not going to get Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to get that kind of level of quarterback, isn't your choice then, obviously, to blow it up and rebuild through a bridge and a draft pick or just give him the extension? So I am big fan of tanking, right? I I think if you're not a Super Bowl contender, you should usually tank because what good is it to make the playoffs and lose a game or to miss the playoffs by a game or something like that? You're just making it harder to be good in the future. If you do that, the goal here is to win a Super Bowl. The goal is not to just be a above 500 team, but I think there's a big flaw in the idea that the Raiders should rebuild right now. And it's that all those quarterbacks I just named are really young. Mm -hmm. This is not a situation where those guys are going to be They're gone not gonna age out in four years. Which, if you are if you were to take the Raiders right now and say, hey, we're going to rebuild, your goal is probably, yeah, two bad years and then year three or four. You, If you're rebuilding, you're kind of targeting years three or four to when you're going to be really good. And years three and four from now, uh, are Patrick any of those Mahomes, guys going to be gone? Josh Allen, like, Justin Herbert. <laughs> Mahomes got his extension. You know, Allen and, and Jackson will need one. But Herbert and Burrow will still be on their rookie contracts. Right. Like. There's still five quarterbacks that are probably going to be better than whoever you have at quarterback. So I th there's a flaw in, in sort of rebuilding for three to four years from now. The AFC picture is probably still going to be pretty similar. So I think there's an argument for extending Derek Carr and honestly not like trying to win a Super Bowl. I think there's an argument for, hey, even if we rebuild, everything's got to go exactly right, and we're still probably worse than a lot of these teams in the AFC. So I think there's an argument for, well, let's keep Derek Carr. and let's Give him $35 million a year? Let's try to be a 9-10 win team for the next four years and be, just be relevant and competent. 
right? For an organization that hasn't been relevant and competent for almost two decades. I think there's an argument for let's try to be the five or the six seed every year, win nine or 10 games. And listen, maybe we luck into a playoff run. Maybe we do what the 49ers did and for whatever reason, Joe Burrow runs a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left. And for whatever reason, we block a field goal in the snow and we can beat a good team on the road. Like maybe you luck into a playoff run to the AFC championship or even the Super Bowl. Like I think there's a real argument as much as I love, Hey, you can't win the Super Bowl. You should blow it up and tank. I think there's an argument for, yeah, we can be competent for the next four years. We're not winning the Super Bowl, but we cannot be an embarrassment for four years. I can understand that reasoning. I just, I'm, then I, I guess that's purgatory to me then. It oh, that's is. what it I is. Agree. No, that's what it is. That's I agree. What it is. But purgatory. I also, but I just, I don't what think the tanking has a very good chance of succeeding. Like, well, the only not way. Not if you get him $35 million a year. Well, no, no. I'm saying like if you trade car, you blow it up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we're he's got to go. He's got to go We want to be rebuild. good in year three sure. or year four. The only way you're good enough to contend to get a quarterback is to get a quarterback that's as good as Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Stetson. Are like the odds of you getting that guy are low, right? Very low. But like the odds of you getting a Mac Jones are pretty high. You can right. get a Mac Jones, but the problem is the Patriots aren't winning the Super Bowl anytime soon either. So like if you rebuild. And you land the Mac Jones. That's not bad. That's fine. But you're back where you are right now with Derek Carr, where eh, we can win 10 games. We can win nine games. We can maybe win a playoff game. But that's really it. The odds of you landing Josh Allen, the odds of you landing Patrick Mahomes are so small. And that's your only path to rebuilding and being good in three to four years. That I, I understand if you say, yeah, let's just be a nine-win team. Ten I think team. it can work that way with the new GM extending him but want, but thinking they're going to be a Super Bowl team in the next two or three years. I think it could work out the way you're saying, but I don't think that would be their mindset. No, I mean, yes. You're not going to go out there publicly. It's like Mayock. It was fine when Mayock said we're a playoff team because they hadn't been yes. there in forever. So it's like, okay, well, <laughs> hey, that's an upgrade. Uh but I, he, no one, no GM is going to go out officially and say, well, we're just going to be like Jared said in purgatory. Right. But it could still work out that way. If you extend him, and I actually am more coming around to the point of I think you're going to extend him. I, I, I just I think they're going to extend him. I are you going to hire? Is Mark Davis, who just went to the playoffs, going to bring in a GM with the idea or the approval that we're blowing this up? We're getting rid of this guy. I don't know. They just were in the playoffs. I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do or that's the right thing to do. They just went to the playoffs, and if Mark Davis thinks how I think he believes that he probably thinks they're a lot closer than they really are. I would be curious if when Mark Davis does these interviews, if he asked the question, how do you win us a Super Bowl? Like, what's your path to winning a Super Bowl? Because the best, the the most likely path for the Raiders to win a Super Bowl is to blow it up and and be like, we're going to have, we're going to draft a star quarterback. <laughs> but I don't think Mark Davis wants to hear that. If he hears that, the Zoom is going out immediately. Right. And all of a sudden there's like, you know, snow on the uh, on the other end. It's like, wait, where did Mark go? But I think it's completely unrealistic to sit down and say, we're going to win a quarterback with Derek Carr in this roster. We're going to win a quarterback with Derek Carr making $35, million, $40, $35 million. I think that's completely unrealistic. And maybe that's what Mark Davis that's wants what they to might hear. Say. But I don't think that's really possible because I don't think you're going to be better. than you got to be better. That's the thing. There's five teams with a quarterback. And you don't have to just catch one. You've oh, no, got to have to go through at least two of them in right. the playoffs. Exactly, if not all three. And so it just seems unlikely that that's going to happen with Derek Carr as your quarterback. But again, 
I can understand the idea of, hey, it's better to win 10 games a year than be an atrocious team that everybody makes fun for of three as years. a three-win team. Yeah, for the next three to four years. And then after that, see where you are and, hey, now we're going to rebuild because finally these guys are 33 years old and they're not going to be right. great for the next five years. They're going to slowly start to fall off and maybe we can catch them and start winning some games. I, I'm just I'm trying to think of a parallel to the 49ers of like, the quarterback's not bad, but they're in the NFC Championship game. Like, the quarterback's not good, but they're in that. So, the, basically, the coach would need to come in and be like, all right, we're going to get you a wide receiver who's also a running back, and uh, <laughs> we're going to get the highest-paid fullback in the history of the NFL. Wait, Lynn Bowden? Ooh, they, joker. they should trade for him. They should get a joker. Well, they already have one. He got hurt, though. Coming up next, Justin Emerson joins the show. I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Justin Emerson. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Justin. What time did you wake up this morning? Oh, I was up at like 530 this morning. My kid wanted to get up early, but... Because he slept through the night pretty well, so hey, I'll take it. <laughs> Not Sounds <fun>. like us. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you see the picture that Justin tweeted out yesterday? Yeah, covering the game, covering the game with his son, uh, yeah. the little boy. The multitasking you're yes. doing, you're doing a lot of work over there, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, <laughs> my wife does all the hard work, and then I just take credit for it on Twitter, basically. So. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right, we do have some hockey questions for you. First off. What does baby blue mean when a player's wearing a baby blue jersey? I don't know. I thought it was I, th- I thought red was no contact, but then I remember baby blue was no contact in years past. So, I wish I had a good answer, but I think it's just a different maybe home and road non-contact jersey. I, I really don't know. <laughs> Are they asking too much of their players in practice to uh identify what color means what when they're skating out there as to who they can hit? A lot of- a lot of colors going on. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Who they can hit. Like we call it a non-contact jersey, like in football, but like, come on, it's not like they're hitting each other in practice anyway. What was the biggest surprise last night? Robin Leonard got a shutout or they actually won a game with those line combinations. <laughs> combinations. We saw it and I'm like, Ooh, they're not going to score a lot tonight. And uh, oh, I was right about that. Uh, they, got, they, they got the one goal, but I mean, Robin Leonard was spectacular and he's, he's been battling it a bit lately. He was so good at the start of the year and, He's kind of been struggling for the last month or so. He'd allowed 10 goals in his last three games. So, you know, he wanted a good one. And, uh, you know, he got in the groove early on and just kind of kept it. And Washington played really well. The offense was, was buzzing pretty good. But Leonard was great. So, I, I, I'm not surprised by that. But that was that was a good one for, for him to get that for his own confidence, I think. How do you feel about the narrative taking off here? And hopefully it stays true for the next few games that Robin Leonard is great on the road and bad at T-Mobile Arena. Yeah, I started seeing that floating around. I don't. I haven't looked into that. I don't. Is that is that a thing or? Well, maybe it's on the. Maybe it's because on the last road trip he got to play the the Devils and the Islanders, and then he had to come home and play the Penguins and and Maple Leafs. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. His his save percentage at home is an even nine hundred. After last night, his save percentage on the road has jumped up to nine eighteen. Oh wow! Look at that. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, clearly it's uh, – I, I don't even know what to make of that. Uh, 
Uh, extraordinarily small sample that doesn't mean all that much, probably. But, hey, whatever. Golden Knights will take it. They need them on this road trip. Would you have to be paid any amount of money and knowing how you know safe the helmets are to stand there and have Ovechkin hit a 100-mile-an-hour shot off your head? No, no. No, <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos could write me his entire bank account. I'd be like, no. Like, that, that is psycho stuff that NHL goalies will just be like, yeah, whatever, just give me a new mask. That's fine. If that happened to me, I would go and cry in the quiet room for the rest of the night. Hold like, on, hold that on. is there's, terrifying. There's not a price you would do it for? Okay, there's maybe a price I okay. could do it for. <laughs> I'm, very easily, I'm very easily bought. But that's, I mean, the, the fact that his cage dented in toward his face <laughs> after an Ovechkin slap shot, that is terrifying. Then I mean, this is a dude who's had concussions in the past. Like That's I'm true. Like, I, I, I'd, I'd be done for the rest of the night, I'll tell you that. I'm not playing hockey anymore. Uh, Ed, did you see the tweet that was like you're locked in like this big solitary confinement room, like padded walls, locked in it for one year, but you get thirty billion dollars when you get out. Could you thirty do, billion? Yeah, could you do that? No. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody could. A no. year's way too. Well, long. Do they, they feed you. Obviously, the people were talking about it like it was because I saw that tweet too. And people were like, oh yeah, you know, I would just entertain myself. It's like that's. That's not it. You'd be hearing those walls talk after. Oh, yeah. You'd be talking to yourself. It, it has nothing to yeah. do with boredom. Yeah. You would not come out well. Like, I think if we if we cut it down where you'd get, like, you know, maybe $2 billion for a month, I'd do a month for, like, if we could, you know, prorate it out for a shorter amount of time. <laughs> I'd do that. A, a month? month? I, could, I could handle a month. But you get over, like, into two months? Yeah, that's getting, that's getting you're gonna weird. Come, you're coming out insane. There's that's only so many say, numbers in your head. I can't sit on the couch for more than 10 minutes without scrolling through Twitter, so maybe not. Yeah, yeah, for a month I can do without. All right, Justin, we have something special for you. This might be the last time oh, no. Justin Emerson comes on our show. We just it, It's okay. You'll, you'll be okay. You won't have to hear it ever again after this, but we just wanted to, to give you something. Justin Emerson, Las Vegas Sun. How did you, what did you think of the way Flurry played tonight? You serious? Like you watched the game? He was great. The last goal, the only reason it went in was because uh, Theodore slashed the stick and, you know, we made it. If we you know, and you tell your defenseman to play the guy's stick. So you blame the last goal on, on Theo or on Fleury. Shake your head. Go to Justin Emerson with the Las Vegas Sun. Justin. Hey, the other day you had mentioned you were talking specifically about Shea Theodore and kind of the <laughs> offense from the offense or defense from the blue line or offensive blue line or something to that effect. I was wondering if maybe you could elaborate on that and explain uh, more so what you meant and just the importance of um, defensemen in the offensive zone. <laughs> uh, you, you lost me there. You, so I said I said something that you can't repeat to me and you want me to explain it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robin, it was a pretty exciting three-on-three, three, and then it goes to the shootout. I'm curious kind of what you think about the shootout in general, whether that you kind of like the format or if you think that there should be more extended three-on-three three, or basically how overtime would go if you have the choice. You think I like the shootout? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Robin, thanks for the time. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Happy hockey. See you later. Happy hockey. Love you. Bye. Next question this morning comes from Justin Emerson, the Las Vegas Sun. Hey, Mark, you guys have played pretty well over the last two games. Came out with 
a win in one of them. So I guess how much of the game plan for game four is kind of stay the course and do what you've been doing and how much of that is 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 knowing that uh, that you guys do need, uh, I don't know, sorry. I guess that how much um, that you, wow, sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Justin Emerson, his greatest hits. <laughs> Greatest hits. Yeah, thanks for the highlight reel of all, yes. my, all my flubs during press conferences over the years. Thanks. It was phenomenal. Um, for those that don't know, Justin Emerson is leaving the Golden Knights beat and leaving the Las Vegas Sun. So we probably won't be asking you to come on to talk about Robin Leonard, baby blue jerseys, or who Michael Amadio is uh, anymore. And we won't get any more great questions like that from you. Well, who knows? I mean, I'll be on the receiving end of the questions once I'm named Raiders head coach on Monday. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, back that up. What'd you say? Breaking news here on the press box. Well, uh, they hired a GM off TV and their head coach off of TV. Might as well go to newspapers now, right? <laughs> That's fine. No big deal. No big deal. All right. Did you ask? I, I didn't watch the press conference. Did you ask any questions last night? Um. I don't know. I think I asked Robin Leonard if he was happy to get a shutout. He said yes. Okay. That's a good question. By the way. That's hard-hitting hard journalism right there. You know what you should do, is, since this is your last week, you should finish your story, uh, finish your week off with a story. Like, Robin Leonard's numbers since you asked him about the shootout have been really good in the shootout. I'm just saying. I've noticed that, too. That it's been, <laughs> it hasn't been too bad over the last year, has it? Like, I think he's won a shootout or two. Yeah. yeah like bad. He won, like, Not four in a row or something. Like You should take a page from me and, like, take credit for athletes doing well just because you said something stupid. Yeah, do the Bischoff tweet, the yes. Robin Leonard shootout save percentage before I asked a stupid question and after I asked a question. Yes. It's great. That's what I would do. It'd be phenomenal. So, all right. <laughs> Justin, we're still going to have you on uh, when pumpkin spice season comes around. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. let's do it. Absolutely. It's, it's, coming, it's coming earlier and earlier every year, so I guess it'll probably be a couple of weeks from now. I'll be back on. Now, I don't know. Have you officially announced your next move? No, not yet. That'll come on Monday. Okay. Oh, I thought, okay. That's Monday. I, I was. I was He's actually. He's not like, going to let Ed Graney scoop that I was at, news. Well, I was actually putting in the notes the Raiders coach on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Raiders coach on Monday, so keep an eye out for that. Right after the uh, the league the big announcement, game. Raiders making a big announcement. That's, that's absolutely right. All right, Justin, we've enjoyed it. We yes, appreciate Justin. it. Thank you. Best sir. of luck to you, man. Yes, thank ah, you so much. Best of luck you. to the family. Thanks, boys. It's been fun over the years. Appreciate it. Take care, you guy. Thanks. So, oh yeah, Justin Emerson. He'll do great. Uh, his last week at the Las Vegas Sun before he moves on to we don't know where. Not gonna not gonna let Ed Graney scoop it on him. No. So. I was we'll ready. To tw- I was would, ready to tweet it, but I I had not, I did not know if he had announced. It. it would be one final just bleep move to Justin for you to be like, just tweet out what he's doing. <laughs> Where he's going? Yeah, before he can announce it. We have to find somebody else to make fun of for asking questions. It's going to be very important. Well, here's the problem is Justin was a really good sport about it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's, he's that's great. the key. He's great. There's, yeah. No, you're right. There are a lot of bad questions in press conferences. We have to find somebody that, like, we have a good relationship with that is, you know, competent at their job and willing to come on the radio and let us make fun of them for it. Well, that's a short list. It is a very short yeah. list. So, I don't know who's going to buy into that. Like, get a crossbow bolt in your neck. Right. So, 
it's a it's part of the show. We're gonna mess. So there's Justin Emerson. One last. Well, I say one last time. We should we should absolutely have him on like whatever August fifth when Starbucks is <laughs> yes. like, yeah, pumpkin spice yeah. lattes are here. It's 118 <laughs> degrees out. <laughs> But well, Halloween they, they sell is a mere, so many of them. I, I could see right. them going earlier and early. They don't care. 118, but Halloween's a mere 94 days away. <laughs> Come get your pumpkin spice latte. All right. We've got Garth Brooks tickets to give away. The Garth Brooks one-man show coming Friday, Saturday, February 4th and 5th to Park MGM. we got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. You can buy tickets to Ticketmaster or... Win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100. Caller number eight. We'll go see Garth Brooks, the one-man show. Tails. Stevenson, center of the floor. Jones stalks him out near the timeline. The shot clock moving down toward 10. Another three, Washington, and the same result. Consecutive threes from the left edge. Washington, 15 points from three-point range. All of his baskets have been three-pointers. You're locked in the press box. First off. This Friday, UNLV takes on Colorado State. You can come watch the game with me. I'll be at PT's Pub on Tropicana and Maryland right by UNLV. And I will be there drinking heavily. (laughs) Uh, So if you want to come watch the game with us, it starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, you're going to have a chance to win a staycation at the Stratosphere. You're going to have a chance to win uh, free uh, beer for a year from Miller Lite. I cannot say that. We have recorded promos for this, and I cannot say free beer. No, beer, beer for, for a year. year. Beer, for a, beer year. for a year. I can't do it. It's it's impossible. Uh, but 6 o'clock, PTs on Tropicana by UNLV, uh, UNLV Colorado State on Friday if you want to come watch that. We'll be out there a few times throughout the end of the season for some UNLV road games. Uh, also, congratulations to Mike. He won the tickets to go see the Garth Brooks one-man show. Did you see the story about NFC championship game tickets being restricted to people that lived in Los Angeles. No, and I'm very disappointed. We're not going to find out how you're going to make a billion dollars. But no, I did not see that story. Yeah, next next tomorrow or next we'll do we'll do my billion dollar. I did not see NFTs. that story that the they're being limited by the Rams. So if you went on Ticketmaster to buy tickets, you would be to given you'd be given a prompt that you were like you're not in the Los Angeles zip area. code or Los Angeles area or something like that. You're not in the area that these tickets are for sale. So basically there was a restriction of some sort that you had to be in Los Angeles to buy those tickets. That it's gone now apparently according to the SF Gate who did a story on it. That's no longer there. If you go to buy them right now anywhere. You you should be able to buy them from anywhere. But the you know, nobody's actually like said anything about it, but the idea here is that the Rams were worried that 49ers fans were going to buy sure. all the tickets. <laughs> sure. And their Which home game was. There was every chance it game. could be. Probably still will be, I assume, at this point. Well, if they've opened it up, it's, yeah, you got right. some days. So, but that's kind of. I don't know. Do you like that? I mean, you're in the NFC Championship. If you truly believe the other team's going to buy up all their tickets, I don't mind it. Now, did they open it up because no one in L.A. bought tickets? I mean, <laughs> like, uh, we tried this, and there's been 7,000 tickets sold. We better open it up or there's going to be no one in the place. That's literally been one of the things that people have been quietly saying since the Rams moved back to L.A. was no one in L.A. cares. Right. Well, it was the, my goodness, if they didn't care about them, those first couple years at uh, 
at the soccer stadium in Carson with the uh, Chargers. That was a complete disaster. It sold out every game. Um, yeah. <laughs> 95-5 with the other team. <laughs> so, hey, great. It was cheap tickets, too. I No, they were really expensive. Oh, okay. They were the most expensive tickets in the NFL. Really? Because there was only there, were, there weren't many seats. Thirty thousand of them, yeah. or something. It was okay. the smallest venue, and everybody yeah. was like, "Yeah, we're I'm going to L.A. to watch my to team. watch my or, team." Or, or I already live. Or I already live right. in L.A. Right. And, yeah. yeah. So, like, part of me, I understand, like, the team standpoint of we're hosting the game. We would like everybody in the building to be cheering for the Rams and not the 49ers. But also from a fan standpoint, that is one of the crappiest things you can do. Sure. Like, that is unbelievably crappy to do to fans, is be like, nope, you got to be in this area to buy tickets to this game. Like, that is incredibly crappy. Like, I'm at, like I went to game six of the World Series. I live in Las Vegas. Imagine if the Astros have been like, you got to be in the area of Houston, Houston. to buy these tickets. Right. I, would, I mean, I would have to fly there and wait until Take then. Take a residency? Yeah. Like, I gotta prove, no, you'd have to buy I gotta him provide off a, a, an energy bill and a water bill to prove that I live somewhere. <laughs> buy him off a scale. But you could use my sister. She lives in Houston. Okay. I would have, I would, I would have been having Ed's sister buy me tickets to the World <laughs> Series game. <laughs> but I you got to like, meet in a dark alley to do the exchange. Well, like, if you were a 49ers fan and you logged on to buy tickets on Monday or whatever, and it was like, you're not in the Los Angeles area. And you knew someone's sister in Los Angeles, yeah. you would have been like, hey. Oh, buy the tickets. Get your sister to buy me these yes. tickets. I mean, how much free time do you have? Would you have driven down to Los Angeles to buy them? Well, I mean, if you can afford well, to live in San Francisco, you probably. And if you can afford an FC championship game. Tonight, yeah, you probably could just good, take the day that's off. That's a good combination. If you live up there and you can afford those tickets, you're probably doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably work, you know, the solid two hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> those tech people. I just I like it's just incredibly crappy to do because I imagine there's Rams fans that don't live in Los Angeles that are like, oh, my God, we're in the NFC championship game. I want to oh, go. Absolutely. Sure. I want I want to go. And like they live in Vegas so, or something and they you live in San Diego and you're a Rams fan. and You still couldn't have done it in California. It had to be the L.A. It had to be the L.A. Yeah, market because they didn't want San, it's, it's San Francisco. They don't want people in Northern California buying tickets. It's just, I don't know, incredibly crappy to do because. I am someone whose favorite team is not in the city that I live in. Right. I right. would have been incredibly furious about that because this is the best game. I mean, technically, LA's hosting the Super Bowl, but this is the best game you can be the host team for, right? Like, it's not yes, going to be Rams absolutely. logo on the field no. or whatever no. when it's in the Super Bowl. So it's fascinating, which, by the way, we're going to have back to back years. The yeah, teams the, playing in their the home stadium. Team playing in their home I mean, stadium. the 49ers are going to lose in the most ridiculous or win in the most ridiculous way possible. Like, Another know. blocked punt. Yeah, Stafford throws a pick six. They return a field goal for a touchdown, right. and, and they win fourteen to eleven. Ooh, the the Stafford throws a pick two. Oh, good God! <laughs> this this game has every chance for Jared to hit Scorigami, but it also has every chance of me hitting Scorigami with one of those like 11-12. Yes, yes, <laughs> it has every chance because it will be weird, and the Niners like. Tyler said we'll do something crazy to make the score completely bizarre. What was Bill's Chiefs wasn't Scorigami? No. 42-36? No. Yeah. That was the final, right? That seems like a weird score. That's happened before. That's got to be one that's like, this has happened four times in NFL history. It probably also has happened where one team scored 42 and then the other team spent the entire, like, half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter going... Yeah. Dear God! Gotta catch up. That's a weird score. That that was very Scorigami 
close, I imagine. We just had weird numbers in there. We get a lot of weird scores in the NFL. Yes. Like, just weird things happen, and you end up with teams scoring, like, 18. Like how the Mostly it's Niner games. Yeah, how the hell did you get to 18? 